Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Want to make a podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else your podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I've discovered Spotify for podcasters, I just enjoy putting these podcasts out for everyone to really like. I highly recommend you give it a try. It's so easy to use. Download the Spotify for podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started today. Forty-Niners Cutback is available in multitude of ways. One of those is on YouTube, but that's not the only way. We're also available on several different audio platforms as well. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Pods, as well as iHeartRadio now also. Yeah, anywhere you want to listen to your 49ers Cutback, you can. So go ahead and click on one of the links that are available and go and check it out. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show. It is time to talk all kinds of 49ers news because the Niners aren't done. Alex went live earlier talking about Kamoko Ture. I'm excited to talk about that signing. Uh, That was something that was teased last week, and now it happens. This is going to be a fun episode, but the whole time, make sure you're leaving those questions. It's Q&A as well, and we're going to get into all the TCC's questions. Uh, we're going to get as many as we possibly can. There's going to be a lot of them, I imagine. There's a lot of uh, feelings and uh, things going on in 49ers land with 49ers fans. Um, you know, I, I posted some of the stuff and we, we reposted some of the stuff on Facebook. And um, our, our social media manager was all over getting the Kamoko Ture stuff up. And then I reposted a lot of our, uh, our well, the live stream that I did as well as the post. And there was a lot of different feedback from people in the Facebook groups about this whole signing. This I don't care from I don't care about this to um, this guy is the next Von Miller. I mean, it was all over the spectrum for 
49ers fans in terms of how they're feeling about this. I've already given my opinion on this, and I've already stated that I like this signing. It's not just potentially a depth signing, but a guy who has a lot of upside and ability and flexibility. Um, what are you feeling on the Kamoko Torre signing? What do you think this means for the San Francisco 49ers in terms of maybe how they address certain things in the draft? Well, I mean, first off, thank you to the 49ers for letting this information get out last week. You know, they're bringing him in or, or discussing with him because then it allowed me to watch some film on him. And I enjoyed watching the film that I saw. Now, what I did see was a player that has some limitations right now, but could potentially develop uh, playing in Chris Kacerik's wide nine. I think he does have a really good first step and some of his past techniques are pretty good. Um, the one thing I, I did notice right away, though, is there are some injury concerns. Now, the one thing we, we know about the 49ers is they will take chances on these guys. Jordan Willis was a third-round pick. Uh, Kamoko Ture was a second-round pick. Arden Key, a second-round pick. These are guys that maybe potentially didn't have the type of production you expect from them, but now can come in and develop in your system. And I think he's one of those guys that understands what he could do in the system. I'm excited about this signing. I think that... Yeah, it, it appears right now as depth, but if a guy can have 5.5 sacks on 27% of the snaps, that's a guy I want to put in there because if the 49ers only ask him to play 30% of the snaps, you know he could potentially produce 6.5 sacks for you, and that's awesome. I mean, that that's that's what, Arden Key. So you could potentially be getting the production you lost from Arden Key in Ture. Uh, you're not wrong, Ant. Um, you could get some of that back immediately. Um, and look, I, I didn't bring this up as much in, in that uh, in the in the breaking news segment this morning, but you're not wrong here. This could be the potential uh, Arden Key replacement. We talked about Kerry Hyder taking over that role. Not so fast. Maybe this is the guy who's taking over that role. And if that's happening, what are you doing with with uh, Kerry Hyder? What is his role going to be? What are you going to do if you're the 49ers? Because we just looked at this, right? We just talked about this. You currently have seven defensive ends on yeah. the roster if you include Eric Armstead in that role of guy who can flip-flop between both. Six if you don't. You have five interior, in basically defensive linemen on the interior then. Is Kerry Heider going to slot in as a guy who moves to the inside so you have six and six guys that can play both on the outside and on the inside? I will tell you right now, if you're going to training camp this year, there's going to be absolute fireworks coming from the right side. If you're looking at the field, the right side down at the end zone is where Chris Kacarek and these guys get after it. It is going to be absolute fireworks. These guys are going to be on the sled getting after it because 12 guys are not making this roster on the defensive line. Somebody's getting cut and a very good football player is getting cut. There's always a potential for injury, so you have to let that play out. But what they've done is put this this uh, team and defensive line in a situation where not only did they improve the secondary, but they've improved the depth of the defensive line, which I didn't think was possible. This is like hockey. It's like line change. They just run in a new group, fresh legs that can get after it, and each one of them have pretty good skills. You've seen the improvement from Jordan Willis. We expect Charles Aminahue, who they got from Houston last year, to have another big uptick, and his he was already making plays. I mean, this is just... It's kind of unbelievable. Um, and this is going to kind of fly under the radar because a lot of people don't know who he actually is. But I think once he gets in there and they start seeing the things that he can do off the edge, uh, it's going to be exciting. And I think this does leave um, potential opportunities for the 49ers to be able to produce a pass rush on third downs without Nick Bosa and without Armstead on the field, which means more potential rest times for them and also insulates themselves because we mentioned the edge rushers that they have on the roster. True. We did not mention D Ford. 
Uh, so if D Ford is gone officially, we have these numbers. If D Ford's on there, they have eight potential edge rushers that could make this roster. Crazy to yeah. think, man. It's crazy to think. Ronnie had asked a little earlier, what's up, crew? What's the 49ers draft need as of now after the new signing? Or do you feel we go best available player for the draft? Now, look, um, Caleb had asked a little earlier as well. I had a, a couple minutes ago. He asked, why is Cam Taylor Britt on the on the thumbnail? Well, Cam Taylor Britt's on the thumbnail because oh, who was it? Uh, Mel Kiper, Kiper Jr. Yeah. Kiper mocked Cam Taylor Britt to the Niners at 61. So he mocked corner there at that spot. Cam Taylor Britt, a guy that we are very familiar with, that we like. A little surprised to see him there at 61. But regardless of where to see him, I do like that guy. I do like the fit in the scheme. Um, but now that leads into Ronnie's question, right? What's the need? What is the draft need now? Because with the Niners going defensive end, I talked about this this morning. Does this mean the Niners are not interested in going after one of these talented defensive ends? And, or is it just something that they're realizing or seeing potential? Chris Kacerik is seeing what is out there and available in free agency sitting there going, hey, listen, I know we don't have a lot of cap space by right now, but that guy right there, I can do something with that guy. Get him here and let's ramp up the level of competition in this room. And the Niners would still consider going edge rusher at 61. Yeah, one of the reasons we do war room is this is something that the 49ers do internally. Um, front offices do these war rooms and they go through mock drafts and they try to figure out where players are going to uh, slot. We've seen right now that players that we thought originally were going to be around 61 Arnold Ebiketti, um, you know, and potentially some of these other edge rushers that were going to be sitting there. They're not there. Now, we know Vish went Arnold, or went Pasquale last night. Mm -hmm. um, Pasquale, I don't see him as a edge rusher that the 49ers would draft at 61, potentially at 93, because I see him as more of a five technique in the NFL. Okay, so potentially, I see that there's a difference there. But what they could be doing is seeing that the way things are laying out, those edge rushers that they'd want to get at 61 aren't going to be available. And that, in fact... Uh, Ture is actually a better option than the guys that are going to be there. He right, he's he could he's already proven he can get five and a half sacks. That could be better than Pasquale. That could be better than D'Angelo Malone. We don't know that for sure, but that could be what the 49ers are looking at. It's like okay, I can make a small investment in this instead of a second round pick, and just see what's there. So it could just be the the way things are landing for the 49ers that it was that best uh, situation. That's why also I'm not so sure. I know we're I know uh, Mel Kiper Jr. did Cam Taylor Britt. I'm not so sure before we get to the draft, we won't already see the 49ers fill the nickel cornerback role or fill a safety role because they have some motivation to do that. And then that way they can go into the draft with limited to no needs and then they can draft the best available player. So if one of those guys slid to 61, you could hit it there. Um, so there's opportunities. And I think the 49ers are going out there and seizing the opportunity with veteran proven talent because I don't care who you are. If you get five and a half sacks in the NFL, you're doing something right. Correct. Five and a half sacks in the NFL on limited snap counts as well. And it is impressive. Um, and this is a guy in two seasons, uh, two seasons in the league, um, two of his four years in the NFL when he's played over 13 games has almost put up that five sack number. So he put up four in that rookie campaign in 2018. And then he put up five and a half this past season dealing with injuries in all of those seasons. So he's had little things. It's not been like anything major. He hasn't had like reconstructive surgery on a lower body part. It's just been nagging stuff right. that has progressed throughout his time uh, in Indianapolis. So it's a low risk, uh, a low risk, potentially ridiculously high reward scenario. Because you're talking about a guy who played 27% of the snaps and did what he did at five and a half. Look what Arden Key did on limited snaps once they got him into the system. A guy with a lot of potential. Ant that was a higher draft pick that never really reached his full potential and ceiling with the Raiders. Um, showed flashes in Indy. So we've seen flashes. Okay, what is flashes going to translate to in San Francisco? 
we, you could be talking talking potentially even bigger numbers than when we saw uh, Arden Key put up this past season. Yeah. So to answer the question from from Ronnie in particular, they are definitely going to need a nickel corner as of now. Correct. Um, that that is a need, and I think wide receiver is still a need for the 49ers. Um, safety is potentially a need. Uh, I don't see it as a big a need as as some, um, but I think that's potentially one. And, and then interior line. I don't I don't know if I see that as a need. Like I see that they need to potentially bring in guys to compete. But the reason I say that is because I'm not sure someone you draft this season is going to step in day one and start. Sure. Right. Um. If if they're gonna if you believe that they can step in day one and start over uh, uh Aaron Banks. That's fine, but no one's going to step in day one and start over Alex Mack, and I don't think someone's going to step in day one and start over Daniel Brunskill. We've seen this story happen already, right? That episode came out last year. So no one you're going to get at 61, I believe, is going to step in day one and start. And if you don't have one of those guys, potentially you can put that on the back burner and draft someone a little bit later in the draft that you could develop behind Alex Mack, behind Brunskill, and behind Aaron Banks. So I, I think that they've invested a lot of capital in there. So I do think they'll address it at some point. I just don't know if sixty-one is the spot. It's fair. Um, I, I'm not. I mean, I, listen. I haven't been sold on necessarily the idea of O-line interior O-line being the the biggest thing to address. There are guys that I like, um, but because the guys are kind of going all over the place, and there are some tackle prospects that I like a little bit later that could slide under the interior, or guys like Alec Lindstrom, who who I don't think would struggle to understand the system at all. That could go later in this draft. I'm not necessarily pushing like pushing the gas pedal on let's make sure we get a guy early that can start because uh well we have some names that could potentially start and guys who filled in last year that did very very good jobs in, in the roles and the situations they were plugged and played into um paul asked just now is is broken ankle a minor injury not minor but it's not major um there's a different there's certain types of lower leg injuries that can be devastating liz frank injuries liz, liz frank fractures can be career ending um those are top top of the foot fractures not what we're talking about here. Usually when you break an ankle like that, as long as there's no ligament damage on top of it, you're usually in a pretty safe spot and there was no major ligament damage. He didn't have any grade three sprains or anything like that on top of the broken ankle. So as long as he recovers and recoups properly, um, as long as there is no setbacks in terms of if he needed surgery or anything like that, then this is not an issue. And guess what? If the Niners signed him, they've done their due diligence. They feel very good about where his health is. And also, what, is he going to be a, a, a minimum guy? You know what I mean? A guy on a one-year deal and a minimum contract? Uh, you, you're taking a swing at this and you're just not worried about the injury at that point because um, there's there's a high a high reward and very low risk. Um, so I think that they've been very calculated in how they've handled the signings. Uh, now they've added some very good edge rushers all on very minimum deals. So the depth reasons for the 49ers, I mean, they just keep striking, you know, hitting on these. So I like it. I like what they've been doing overall. Um, and I think they did insulate themselves. And now edge rusher is not a need in the draft. I mean, I don't even know if it was for sure. It's just every time it you... It was one of those things. Does it feel like the Niners have any... Like, truly, does it feel like they have any needs or is it more of, like, wants? No, I think there is a need at nickel still. Okay. Unless unless we believe that Darquez Denard is that guy. No, we don't. Because... <laughs> we to don't. Be, I know, I don't. To be honest with you, from what I've seen on film uh, from Ombre Thomas, I don't believe that Ombre Thomas is going to be able to start over Emmanuel Mosley at corner. If the 49ers were to sign Jason Verrett, and now you had Jason Verrett, Emmanuel Mosley... You know, and Traverius Ward, I would have no questions. And I would I would say they're drafting somebody to potentially take over in the future. It could even be Diamond or Lenore that could eventually take over because I think one more year of seasoning and potentially he could be ready. Uh, but I, I know that everyone's very high on Marcus Jones, and I like Marcus Jones, and I'd love to see him in the second uh, I mean the the first pick of the third round that the Niners have at pick 93. I think that's a solid place for him. But 
overall, I think the nickel corner right now is the the glaring need. Um, I put I put a receiver after that, and then and then safety because I believe the way the 49ers play defense, they have safeties that can get it done. I do question Talanoa's cover skills. Um, I don't question the way he'd be used around the box, and I don't question the way Tarverius Moore has responded to playing coverage before. Well, I think between the two of them, you could make one really good safety, uh, and they've done that before. And I don't know what, what we're going to get out of George Odom. What I do know is he's a guy that doesn't miss tackles, uh, so maybe he could potentially develop into something too. I still would like to see them bring back Tart. I think that's a, the best avenue to go. In fact, I would go Tart and Verrett and then draft guys as well, like a nickel corner that could come in to compete with Lenore, with Dante Johnson, and, and Denard. Um, but right now, I don't know if that's what they're going to do. Well, here's the thing. If if the Niners don't also feel like Tart or Jason Verrett are viable options for other teams, meaning other teams are going to pay them more than what San Francisco has maybe already discussed with them in terms of what they can do for them contract-wise, then the Niners may just wait until after the draft, right? They may go through the whole draft process, see what guys they hit on, see how they feel about the room before they actually finally like, make a decision, Yeah, knowing that if they don't get their guy, they may be able to turn back to, to one of those gentlemen. Uh, the issue is, is that you risk, you risk one, another team swooping in, coming in and, you know, liking where, you know, Jason Verrett's progress is with his health and knowing what his money is going to roughly be at and being like, I'm okay with taking a flyer at, at this position with this guy and taking this chance here, this risk because of A, B, C, or D, whatever reasons they may have. And same thing with Jaquiski Tart. You could be looking at a team that's going into the year, feeling like they need safety. Um, go, going into the draft, looking at prospects, looking at prospects and coming away from the, their, you know, study and their tape and their scouting yeah. department and just being like, I don't know if that dude's here. Like, I don't know if we're going to be able to get that guy with where we're at. We may have to move around. I don't necessarily like having the, the to take the chance or the risk of going after a guy early or trying to move around to get said guy. Why don't we just see if, see what Tart's number is. Let's see what we can get him in, on, in, in here on. Um, and Fritz, how you doing, my guy? Fritz Walter there with a hello, everybody in chat. Uh, give give him some nice hellos, chat. Um, uh, so I, I'm I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued about what this means. I'm intrigued about what the Niners are going to do. I would I would agree with you. It doesn't feel like there's a whole like, a lot of like significant needs. It's a lot of wants. Um, but nickel corner right now seems to be the glare of of all the things the Niners could fill. Yeah, and you know I I've I've heard you kind of bring this up before about them signing somebody after the draft. I know it goes a lot to what Kyle Shanahan was saying, where yep. he preferred the draft to come ahead of the free agency. The only thing I always question about that is the risk you run of potentially giving the player leverage because right now the player has no leverage. Sure. Um, you know, they, they're obviously nobody's offering them what they want and the 49ers have the leverage of, well, you know, you can take this deal or we can go draft somebody in the draft and move on. Um, so potentially that would eliminate one of their landing spots where if you wait until after the draft, you did not get that player. So now when you're going back to them, there's not that, you know, that chance of potentially them getting somebody else to replace you. Um, so it could put them in a better situation negotiation wise. So I just wonder if it's something that needs to happen pre-draft. Um, but I, I guess if you came to post-draft and you didn't have your guy, you could call them and see if you could work something out. You could. Um, it's interesting. When Kyle said what he said, I kind of thought that exact thought process in, in your head. But I think for, for a team, right, if was, maybe the 49ers, this is how they view it. And maybe this is how Kyle looks at it, right? If you don't get the guy you were looking to get in the draft, you don't hit on that guy then at this point, money's no obligation, right? It's a hole. You have to fill it. And they'd rather take that. He'd, I guess I guess maybe his thought process is I'd rather take that risk, go into the draft and see if there's a guy I could get, not get him, and then have to pay a little bit more for something, you know, the thing I know, the devil I know rather than the devil I don't know, uh, than do it beforehand on, on the cheap. I, I don't know. If, it would feel like right. in a situation where you're cap hamstrung, right? 
paying the cheap money just makes more sense because you could always you could still pay the cheap money and then go try and draft the guy that you want to draft. Yeah, and we talked safeties, you know, earlier this week. And besides besides Woolen, who we believe can be a safety, uh, and and Petrie, Alex, is there anyone you believe they could draft a sixty one that could step in and start, or are they all going to be developmental guys anyways? It feels like they're most of them going to be developmental yeah. guys. I mean, that's what it feels like when you watch the film. Um, don't get me wrong. There's guys that I that I really like that I would love the Niners to draft, despite you know them being developmental guys. The uh, Marquise Bell from Florida A and M is one of those guys who I would I would love to have that guy on the roster and love to have him develop for a year and see where he's at and see if he can push this room. Uh, Petrie would be phenomenal. Uh, a guy like Tariq Woolen, and who'd be a who's a cornerback prospect that you and I both think could go to safety. He might be able to to slide. He might be able to slide in and start year one, but there's still some questions and some concerns. Well, he'd be learning a new position, Correct. but. His skill level wise, he has the skill to be a all pro caliber safety. Um, so that, that he would definitely have to learn. So there is a learning curve there. But I'm just saying, like, I don't know if there's any of these guys at 61 besides those two that could come in and start, which means you're in what situation? Still going with Tarverius Moore, Talano Fonga, it doesn't really change anything. Um, the only one that changes something is Jaquiski Tart if you signed him, or Tyron Matthew if you signed him. Like I'm just giving an example. I don't I don't think Tyron's actually coming, but I'm just saying that. Right now, those are the guys that can actually step in and start. I don't think anyone potentially in the draft could step in and start over the guys that are currently there, unless it's Petrie or Woolen, uh, because I think the other guys are going to go early, and then the guys you know that are uh, available after that are more developmental pieces. True, and Bombardier just said, don't you guys think that Tart is coming back? I think so, since he hasn't been signed yet. Um, it would feel like the best option for Tart is San Francisco, and that Tart is the best option for San Francisco. It still feels like it's the right fit. Like, that that's what should happen. And yet, despite it feeling that way, it has not happened yet. Is that because the Niners are being stubborn, or is Tart being stubborn, and he, he's trying to see if his value will go up at some point? It might also just not work out, right? Because right now, the 49ers have a little over $2 million in salary cap space. Obviously, they'd like to sign Jaquiski Tart for around that number, uh, if you sign him and he come, becomes one of the the top fifty one contracts on your books, um, you're you're going to be over the cap, so you can't do that. So I think the 49ers have to wait to be able to sign these guys until they either move on from Jimmy Garoppolo potentially in the draft, or if they go ahead and extend, you know, one of these other players, extend or restructure Jimmy Ward, uh, Samson Ebucom, they find uh, Emmanuel Mosley, find some money that way. They're going to do that now. They have to come up with some money anyways because. They have two contracts coming up with restricted free agents, Daniel Brunskill and Aziz Alshire. That's literally what? April 22nd. Eight, I was going to say, it's, it's, it's eight days, right? Yeah. Eight days away. Yeah, April 22nd is the deadline to go ahead and get those guys, you know, for them to sign their tenders. So this is going to come to a halt at some point. And at that point, the 49ers need to make sure they have the money to be able to sign those guys. So something is hap- going to happen beforehand. They just have to have it happen. You're not wrong there. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens here in the next eight days. By the time we get to next Friday, these guys will either have taken care of and and done what they have needed to do, or they will have not. Uh, And then we're sitting in a very awkward position if you're the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Bomber asked earlier, too, do you guys think Debo will come in shape uh, into training camp? Because it looks like he's just partying it up in Miami and social media. Uh, Here's what I will say. Debo is not the type of guy to be posting, I think, workout videos uh, on, on his socials. It's not... Not what Debo does. Uh, much similar to, uh, very similar to Joe Burrow. Um, he's a nose down and grind type of guy. He's not necessarily posting what he's out there working on and doing. You just need to trust that he's doing it right. I'm just going to be quiet and do, stay in my lane and do my thing. That kind of feels how Debo is. Socials are not typically used for anything for him other than posting about things he's doing in his life, family, stuff like that. 
Yeah, I have seen a workout video from Debo this offseason. So he is working out. Um, I get what Bomber T is saying because coming out of South Carolina, that was one of the things that was a concern where they talk, uh, Muschamp talked about the fact that Debo Samuel will come back and he would be a little bit out of shape. Like, this is just something that he did. Um, and so the 49ers have had a plan to consistently stay in contact with him. So usually the receivers coach, now we know Wes Welker has moved on and went to Miami, but the new receivers coach will be in contact with him con consistently. The training staff is in contact with these players consistently, making sure they are doing what's necessary on their own. You're helping them monitor diet, exercise routines, their weight, all of that. So there is a constant contact that goes there. Do I think Debo is having a good time with the, you know, the fact that now everyone wants to find a Debo and he's becoming a huge superstar? Yes, I do. I think he's enjoying it. The all black, all everything with all the chains. Like, I mean, he looks clean. He's got his crew rolling with them, but that's no different than what you see from Trent Williams, who does the same exact thing. Um, so I think that these guys always have their, their groups that they, you know, they hang out with during the off season. He's free to do whatever he wants. The key is, he knows, right, that he has to get that 49ers, that contract from the 49ers or somebody else. And the worst thing that could happen to him is him come in out of shape, not be able to perform if the Niners don't sign him to an extension. Then he would basically cut himself off at the knees and not be able to get the contract that he ultimately wants. And not get a contract anywhere near what he wants his value to be. Yeah. I mean, talk about a guy who would, if, if you come in out of shape and unable to do the things that made you, you know, built up the the level of hype and anticipation and what teams are looking for around the league if you not you if you don't come in in shape ready to duplicate said performance and take the league by storm for a second consecutive year uh yeah you you've basically not only just cut your legs out from underneath you you've taken any potential of a 25 million dollar contract and burned it burned it literally at the table before you've even sat down to negotiate he has to come in in the best version of himself this year uh because this is this is the the last stretch, the last hurdle to to really solidify and prove it. If he comes in, comes into camp out of shape, which is when we all think uh, he is going to be getting this deal done. If he doesn't come in in peak condition, ready to roll, they, there will be no conversations until he shows he is, he's ready to be that guy again. Yeah, and I think he learned how to be a professional over the last three years. I think he yes. has. I, I think he's going to be coming in and he's going to be in shape. He's going to be ready to go. He's figured out how to manage his body uh, and and what you know is asked of him in the NFL. So. Um, I, I think he's going to be ready to go, and I have no doubts about that. So, are you concerned about at all? Because I've been seeing a lot of people freaking out about this, and, and I already, I, well, I'm asking, knowing that I already know said answer to said question, but you could maybe let some of the TCC in on your thought process and mine. Uh, are you concerned at all about Debo not working out with Trey and building that chemistry? Uh, no, not right now. I, I think that I think that there should be a time right where they. If if I was Trey Lance, what I would do, I know he's going through his his workout routine, and I I know that Brandon Ayuk is a part of the same you know same group that he's a part of, uh, and now I've seen Jawan Jennings get down there and work with him. At some point, I fully expect Trey Lance to set up workouts um, where it's all the 49ers receivers together. Like that'll be his leadership role that he'll have to do. Jimmy's done it before at San Jose State. True. I think Trey will do that, and when he does, he'll have he'll try to get Debo Samuel to come. George Kittle, any other receivers that they have in the draft. Like, this is something that will happen after you get to mini camps and OTAs. Like, they'll start working together. Um, so I fully expect this to happen at some point. But Debo is also in the contract negotiation. So he's not going to be overly active as far as working with other guys, even though it makes the most sense football-wise. It doesn't make the most sense for him in his con contract negotiations right now. Um, but it's, it's all going to come in time, I think.
Uh, definitely in time. TCC, look, there's a poll up right now. If you didn't know already, head over into the live chat. Who will fill the Arden Key role? Is it going to be Kerry Hyder, Kamoko, Ture? Currently, Ture sitting with a 65% number, Ant, on 23 votes. But there's 50 of you here. We get those votes up. We want to hear from you, TCC, on this Android user. How are you doing? Hopefully well. At this point, don't you guys agree that any pick would be nice for Jimmy? Like any pick at all. I'm seeing uh, Donald Johnson also saying we need to please cut Jimmy. I would have already cut him faster than a butcher cuts beef. I understand the feeling. Um, I, I, listen, any pick at all would be nice, but it's not about what I think is nice. It's not even necessarily about yeah. what you think is nice. It's about what the 49ers want out of said pick. And it feels like what the 49ers want out of said pick is a second and, and a kicker. Yeah, I think at some point, right, it, it could potentially come to the point where the 49ers have to decide, like, just to take whatever's available. They're not at that point yet because they feel like they still have some leverage because they have the draft that's coming up. Lots of players get moved in the draft. And potentially if one of these teams doesn't get the quarterback they want, they could come calling for Jimmy Garoppolo. You also have the fact that people could get injured during the offseason or in training camp. The Niners know that. Uh, it's You're also playing with the, the game of potentially cutting him and losing $8 million. $8 million this year doesn't seem like a lot because you got – you know, potentially $17.5 million to play with. However, as we move farther along, the $8 million would look really nice in Debo Samuel's pocket or in Nick Bosa's pocket. So you have to make sure you're playing this the right way. I mean, a lot of us want to rush and just go ahead and cut Jimmy Garoppolo now, but I think the 49ers are thinking about not only the, the draft capital they could possibly get back, but the financial obligation to other players down the road that that $8 million would be good because if you cut him now and he goes and he signs a, a small deal, like... Let's say he gets the same deal that Geno Smith got, a one-year, $7 million deal. The 49ers don't get that money. That, that, that didn't reach the $8 million threshold it needed to reach, and you lose the $8 million. If he signs for over that, of course you get it back, but you don't get it back till 2023. So it's just one of those things that play, you know, to, to think about as you see how they're trying to navigate this and cut, cut or potentially trade, which I think they want to do, Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, it, would fe it feels that way as well. It definitely feels they want to trade him. It's just a matter of, getting the right team at the right moment in the right situation when they're at their, maybe their most vulnerable at their weakest when they're sitting there going, yeah, we got it. We just got to pull the trigger on this. Now we got to get it done. Um, so the Niners are going to, they're going to take their time with this. They really do. Uh, Ronnie Montoya asked, do you think the Niners will, sh uh, excuse me, you think that Debo will show up to minicamp or just when it's mandatory and maybe would hurt his pocketbook? Yeah. Mandatory. I don't think you'll see him until training camp. I really don't. I don't. I don't think Debo showing up in Santa Clara anytime soon. You don't think OTAs at all? No, I don't think so. Okay. I, I don't think you're going to see him. This is a negotiation thing, uh, and he knows he's got to do what he can do. But as soon as it starts, you know, hitting his pocketbook, I, I think that's when you'll see a reaction from him because he's not a player that's made a lot of money in his career yet. That rookie contract is not big for a second round pick. He's not financially able to sit back and hold out of everything. But early on, yeah, you make statements by doing that. Oh, I mean, you, you can definitely can. You can by not showing up to OTAs. Look, last year was kind of an anomaly, right, with the with everything that happened and and, and the entire team, it felt like, showing up for OTAs last year, including gentlemen who were working on contract situations and Fred Warner. So, I mean, it, it can it happen? Yeah, but not something I expect to happen. Well, Fred Warner was in a different category as well as Correct. team captain, number one. Number two, they were really close to already getting the framework worked out on a deal. So he knew something was imminent, that they were going to get something done. They weren't far off on the numbers. So he could show up and know that that was going to get done. So I, I think that it, there are two definitely different players um, and also in different points in their career with the team. You know, one's a team captain and Debo is ascended to the leader of the wide receiver room. But I wouldn't call Debo the captain of the offense or anything like that.
Uh, fair enough. Fair enough there, Ant. Uh, look, it's going to be very interesting indeed to see what happens. Bobo is saying Jimmy G will be traded around draft time or released after the draft. Um, I don't know if he'll be released or not, but he is definitely uh, definitely feeling like he's going to be traded at some point in time. Look, Mike McGlinchey news and information also came out and became available. And this is very interesting to see because literally like a day after someone had asked if that were the case, if someone asked, someone asked, if, I think it was Lou, he asked for an update on Mike McGlinchey. Is there any news? And I was like, no, I don't think so. I think it was the Sunday Night Cup I checked. I was like, as of right now, not that I'm aware of. And then, boom, all of a sudden, handful of days later, Mike McGlinchey's posting videos. And he's posting videos, showing himself working out, doing stuff, stepping on a scale, and weighing a nice 310 pounds. Uh, look, I, I like seeing stuff out of Mike McGlinchey. I like seeing updates on his health and where he's at. Um, flexibility looked pretty good. That's the good news and the stuff that he was doing. Range of motion didn't look bad. Um, and it looks like he's starting to do base level stuff in terms of base level weight training as well. Um, you know, they're not overloading the weights. and He's doing heavy amounts on squats and... You know, uh, I think the other one he was doing was Romanian. Uh, it wasn't Romanian deadlift, excuse me. It was Bulgarian squats that he was doing up as well. So putting a lot of pressure on the quad, testing strength, durability, things of that nature. Um, looks good. I'm excited to see that. Yeah, it's April, and he, and he's he's on schedule. Yep. He's 310 pounds, which means he's about got about 10 pounds to go. Uh, that's going to be nothing. This guy's going to be you know ready to roll when it comes time for training camp. He's on the right track. His weight is going to be where it's supposed to be. Uh, he's pulling the sled already. Yeah, I, I was excited to see that, which means we have the the tackles that we're going to be rolling with this season. Uh, whether people like it or not, it's going to be, <laughs> um, you know, Trent Williams and Mike McGlinchey rolling at right tackle and left tackle. Uh, so it's going to be fun to watch. And I think that there are questions on the interior, but I think they're going to stabilize that as soon as they sign Daniel Brunskill to the tender. It may not be what people want to hear because Daniel Brunskill has become one of the most polarizing interior offensive linemen in the league, especially in 49er circles. Um, with some believing that he's just not a good player, others believing he's a great player. Um, all the while, I think that he's a guy that handles Aaron Donald and uh, does serviceable at times, and I know what his weaknesses are. Uh, so I think that the bigger question is left guard. That's going to be a question that's going to have to be answered, whether that's Aaron Banks, Jalen Moore, um, as Horst said, Colton McKivitz potentially, or maybe a draft pick. I don't know if a draft pick can start, but uh, it's something to keep an eye on for sure. But I thought that the fact right tackle Mike McGlinchey was coming back at least we have an idea of what this is going to be and one less question mark uh yeah one less question mark indeed and just other questions about other positions and other things happening so it was nice to see that uh will it be the end of the world if Jimmy starts for us next season says Bobo I don't think it's the end of the world but I don't think that is the case uh I believe the way that their 49ers are operating the way that they're acting is that it's going to be Trey Lance now one of the things that's going to happen after the draft is Trey Lance is going to lead the 49ers in minicamp, and he's going to lead the 49ers in OTAs. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo won't be available for those. The shoulder will be bad, so uh, Trey won't be looking over his shoulder. In that, in those cases, the 49ers are going to get a good idea of where Trey Lance is headed, how he's looking, his command of the offense, his command of the playbook, and how he's progressing through his reads. I think if they feel confident in him at that point, um, they will definitely be more than you know willing to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, Jimmy could also get moved in the in the draft, and this could all be null and void and, and mean nothing. But I think that even then, Trey's coming into training camp with an opportunity to be the starting quarterback, and I think most people believe that he's coming in with kind of the lean towards him as the starting quarterback. I think that would be a fair sort of situation there. It does, definitely does feel that way. Um, and look, it's not the end of the world. I agree. It's, it's anything but the end of the world. And uh, 
Rodney Mayfield, welcome to the Cutback yeah, Crew. Thank you, guy. Rodney. Thank appreciate you the subscription. Appreciate that, man. Um, it's not the end of the world by any means at all whatsoever, but it's just highly unlikely. It's yeah. highly unlikely given everything that we've seen so far. If they're both in camp, uh, knowing Kyle Shanahan the way that I've seen him operate over the last several years, Jimmy Garoppolo will be afforded the opportunity to compete. Like, it will be an actual competition. Absolutely. Um, he'll want to push Trey Lance, you know, two of the limits, and Trey Lance is going to want to get those, you know, those first snaps. Do you mean to tell me, Ant, that last year's, everything that happened last year in training camp was a lot of fun. We had a lot of quarter, we had a lot of position battles. We broke them all down here. And then we went to camp itself and got to see said position battles kind of playing out and coming back and saying, hey, Banks is not going to win said position battle. Yeah. Hey, it's looking like this. Hey, I know you keep hearing that Trey Lance is having this incredible camp that he's blowing Jimmy Garoppolo out of the water, but we were just there. And I wouldn't say he blew, he wasn't definitely blowing him out of the lot water. It's definitely close. Um, but Jimmy right now feels like he's going to be the starting quarterback that we're going to have it ramped up to like a, a, a 50, potentially like a, a hundred. It could be if Jimmy's on, if Jimmy's on the roster, uh, that will happen. I mean, that's just the way it is. Jimmy Garoppolo is still a viable quarterback in this league, a starting caliber guy. He's one of the top 32 quarterbacks in the league. Accurate. There's, there's no way to escape that fact. So I think in that case, you are going to have a little bit of a competition. If that happens, I think every ounce of them wants Trey Lance to be able to win this job and be able to take over because they invested so much capital, invested the time and effort to get bring him in here. They want to start operating on that rookie pay scale. But if they ever felt like there was an opportunity for somebody to start that's better, um, they're they're willing to do that. And Jed York's comments kind of prove that. But I still do think it's going to end up being Trey Lance as a starting quarterback. Um, and I, I think that they would like to move uh, Jimmy before training camp starts. I would agree with you on that. Renee Mar Morales says, so... We moving up to get Christian Watson? Maybe they have a, they will have a Chase Joe Burrow connection. I, I'm I am never going to be someone who says the connection for Trey Lance and Christian Watson will be Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow esque. Joe Burrow and Trey Lance, different quarterbacks. Uh, Jamar Chase and Christian Watson, completely different wide receivers. Um, but could he be a security blanket, a guy that he's very familiar with, where you know he can turn you to Christian in certain situations, Anton? put himself in a better spot and let the thing rip, knowing that Christian Watson with his size and speed and everything else is going to be a guy who he trusts to bring the ball down? 100% yes. It would be a very positive thing for the 49ers. The problem is, is that he's, the more and more I hear other people talk about Christian Watson, other content creators, um, you know, the places he's already interviewed and discussed with, with, I don't know if he's going to even make it out of the first round at this point. Yeah, it all depends on what you want to invest to go get him. Now, if you feel like he's the missing piece to your offense, which me and you have been set on this since free agency was about to start. What do we say? We need a tall, um, fast, wide receiver that can take the top off the defense and then somebody that was shifty in space that can make things happen. Well, guess what? Ray Ray McLeod, shifty in space, can make things happen. The 49ers are void of the big, tall receiver that can take the top off the defense. Christian Watson fills that bill absolutely perfectly. So you could put him in there and he could do everything you need to do and also insulate your team in case... You know, two years from now, you're not able to bring Brandon Ayuk back on a contract because you've paid Debo Samuel so much money. Then you would have Christian Watson to be the two to Debo Samuel, which I think is a good situation for you. But the 49ers would have to invest a lot of draft capital, potentially 61, 93, and 105 to go up and get Christian Watson. If that is the case, unless you dip into next year's compensatories, which they could, which I would suggest, because if you could walk away, and I'm going to throw this at you, if you could walk away in the first, you know, have the first three picks, you walk with Christian Watson. And Marcus Jones, are you happy with that? Yep. Yeah. 
Yep. Exactly. It's a great if, day. Yeah, if you walked away with those guys, I'm saying that's a good draft. Hey, we're having one yeah. hell of a time at the draft party at Back Alley Brew in Galt, California on April 29th. One, yeah. One hell of a time. I think so. So I think that there's it, there's always potential they could go up and get somebody. It doesn't appear they're going to go up and get an edge rusher now. But wide receiver, if they potentially believe somebody can change the game, they went up for Brandon Ayuk. I know it wasn't a big jump. It was like seven spots. Um, but they have proven that this is something they can do. David V, howdy feller indeed to you as well. And Caleb Ant upped channel membership for month number eight. Nice. Used his used his member only super chat. So we, we've seen this here. Debo wants 25 million. Jimmy makes 25 million. Guys, why don't we just convert Jimmy to wide back? Oh, wow. Definitely probably won't work this I mean, time. that's not really the, the way I was looking at it, but... Just let Debo I, walk and then I, Jimmy I honestly him. believe that when Debo gets his contract, because I, I do think it's going to happen, when he gets his contract and Jimmy comes off the books, they're not even going to use that $25 million on Debo Samuel. I think they're going to actually lower Debo's number this year and try to invest Jimmy Garoppolo's money in other ways to be able to bring other players in. Uh, potentially there's still Stefan Gilmore out there. True. You know, there's still Tyron Matthew. True. Um, so they could make some other moves with that money. Potentially that's what they could do with that money. Cause I don't think they're going to pay Debo Samuel a hefty amount in his first season. Maybe, but I, I, I think they would find another way. Cause I think they would go all in at that point. True. And, and 40 hours Midas says, what's up cutback? How you doing? What good, is sir? up Bashar? Good to see you in there, Bashar. Uh, Tommy's saying Lance was better than Jimmy last season, guys. Um, I th I still think that Trey, all of Trey's upside is better than Jimmy Garoppolo. We all can agree on this. Um, but Trey didn't necessarily translate that all the time into being the best fit for the 49ers last season. We saw in training camp him struggling with move the ball drills and executing and getting the offense moving down the field. He thrived in the red zone, which is why you and I both believe that the Shanna plan and them using a two-quarterback style setup was going to be something that they could execute because Jimmy could put them into situations to get them to third and manageables, and Trey could come on the field and finish out and close out drives in the red zone or close them out in short down and distance situations. Now, it didn't end up working that way under any way in any way, shape, or form, um, but he just wasn't fully there. He wasn't complete yet. He's got more than enough time to get to a point now where he's complete as a quarterback in terms of executing the system, doing the things Jimmy did well last year, helping them get to those manageable situations, and then take his already incredible skill set that he has and then use that to his advantage to put him over the top in this quarterback competition. Yeah, part of the problem was when we were in training camp last year, and I mean, me and you were hearing it the first, the first a couple days before we went out there, was how good Trey Lance was. Everyone was saying, oh my gosh, Trey Lance is like going to take this league by the storm. He's better than Jimmy Garoppolo right now. And when we got out there in the very first part of 11 on 11s, it was like, whoa, like he's really that good. He jumps. The it problem jumps. was, is as we watched training camp, he got into 11 on 11, moved the ball drills. And that's when you saw some of the weaknesses in his game as he was still learning how in different situations, second and four, you know, third and seven, the different situations when you're running different routes against the defense that you don't know what you're going to see. When he got the different looks, he couldn't respond the way that you saw early on where it was more mapped out and it was a part of the script. When it was scripted and he knew what the play call was, what defense he's facing, where he's supposed to be putting the ball in space, he's fine. He Fantastic. was absolutely yeah. fine. He could pre-diagnose, he could see what he needed to see and puts the ball where he needs to put the ball. That's great because that's the first obstacle and test for Shanahan. Can, can I show you what you're seeing? Can I show you what you're supposed to see and where you're supposed to put the ball? And then can you go do it when the time comes, right? When we haven't gone over it on the board, I haven't shown you the clip of it and said, hey, when you see cover two and we run this, this formation with this route combination, where are you going with the football? I'm going here, coach. Five-step drop going here. Three-step drop going here. 
Like, great, cool, awesome. All right, let's make sure we wrap that over and over again. Show it on film, show it on film. When you get out under center and you can execute that, that's a great thing. But when you don't know what the defense is calling, what you don't know what the coverage is going to be, when they show you cover two and it's really man, when they show you cover three, but it's really cover four or it's it's a cover one shell, uh, can you adjust on the fly? Can you adapt to the fly? That's where he started to struggle. And then in a shocking turn of events, that's where most rookie quarterbacks struggle. So it was like, okay, there's still a learning curve here. There's still that aspect that he's figuring out. But once that aspect is figured out, yeah, he, he's going to be better than Jimmy Garoppolo. And here's the thing. That was early in training camp yeah. last year. By the time we got to the Texans game, you start to see some of those things, and you're like, okay, it's getting closer now. No, that's what it was. You saw it. You saw it on full display. Trey Lance was figuring things out, and that's why the second half is so much better than the first half. He started to get a feel of what the Texans and Lovey Smith were trying to do to him. He made the adjustments with Kyle Shannon. He was ready to roll on what his receivers were going to be doing and then you know, adjusting accordingly. The 49ers are very good at second-half adjustments, and so is Trey Lance. So that right there was enough to show me that potentially he's going to be able to develop into the quarterback that everyone expects him to be this coming up season. Like he's going to be ready to go. Um, that that's a, that was a huge improvement from what we saw at training camp until the Texans game. And that's what I, I loved about it was the fact you saw how much better he, you know, he got. So I'm excited about him. I'm excited about his potential there. And um, I think that his athletic ability is going to be something that's going to be on display. He's going to make some tremendous throws, some wild throws that we haven't seen in San Francisco for a long time uh, because, I mean, these these talented players like Trey Lance don't come along very often. This is going to be a fun season. I think he's going to go in there. I honestly believe that last year he wasn't equipped to be able to win the job from, from Jimmy Garoppolo. This year, if it's an open competition, I do think he is equipped to be able to go ahead and take that job from Jimmy. I think he was closer closer to winning that job than I actually anticipated him to be last season. I think his biggest issues and flaws were the things that were my concerns going into last season. Um, and this is why I said, you know, if the biggest issues and flaws are there, like prevalent, then it may be two years. What I didn't expect was to him to be as close as he was, still having those flaws, being as close as he was, and then the seed of development from training camp to the end of the season at the Texans game, how far he came, how he adapted and adjusted to adversity, you know, not necessarily having the greatest first half in the world. That can get into a rookie's quarterback head and, and a start that is necessary at the end of the season. You need to win this game in order to have a chance the following week against the Rams in LA in order to get into the playoffs, the way he responded, how he reacted. It's like, Hey, there's something here. There's something here. And, and I'm excited for what that potential and possibility may be. Yeah. And other players are saying how special he is, Correct. you know, Brandon cooks, uh, everyone knows that we have a kind of a connection to Brandon cooks. He's been saying how special Trey Lance is. Um, that was one of the reasons that he, he was interested in coming to San Francisco um, because Trey Lance is that good. And so I think that when other players are starting to see it, I think that makes you feel good. So uh, I see it. I know a lot of 49er fans see it. And I think Trey's going to prove it to everyone. Everyone's going to be able to back him up. Uh, Trey, Trey Lance is going to be a good quarterback. And the 49ers, I think, uh, hit it out of the park. Um, but we're going to see it on the field. And it's going to be fun once we get out there at training camp again and get to see this guy slinging it and see the year improvement that he's had. Because I know it's going to be tremendous. It's going to be tremendous, man. It's going to be exciting. And Andrew User asked a little bit earlier, uh, hey, guys, what's your favorite game from the 2021 season or postseason and why? How do you feel the 2021 season went overall? Uh, I think the, 21, uh, the 2021 season was all over the place. I think it's it was up, it was down, um, and I think that was part of it. It was, I'll be honest, there was a time there in the middle of the season where people were trying to push the 49ers off the ledge in just normal conversations where we'd have live streams and stuff, and I was sitting there saying, wait, 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 wait. But all we have to do is be the best of the mediocre to be able to get into the playoffs. And the 49ers proved to not only be better than mediocre, but turn it around and get it in, get into the playoffs and start causing problems. 
I would say my favorite game was the win over the Cowboys in the playoffs. Reason being, it was the the aura that goes around it and all the, the 49ers first Cowboys for the first time since the 90s in the playoffs. Like there's all that excitement, but then also the way it ended, right? Debo Samuel doing big time Debo things. It was a huge game for him. And then you have the Dak Prescott slide. I thought that that was one of my favorite games of the year because once again, down go the Cowboys. It's true. How about them Cowboys? I loved it. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go with that one. Look, I love that there. And Android said, crushing the souls of the number one seed Packard was the mo- Packers was the most memorable for me. And that is a solid choice. But I will go the game before the Cowboys game and that week 18 game against the Rams. It's so at SoFi Stadium with 49ers fans clamoring and and calling out the Rams fans and showing up in a big way and literally turning it into Levi South. The, the noise that was there, how stunned the Rams were, the fact that the Niners went down early, did exactly what they had done all season, except turned back around, came back into the fold ant and finished that thing off was absolutely incredible. The way they got it done, it was a total team effort, top to bottom. Ombre Thomas stepping up in a big moment on a big stage in a game you needed to win with the Saints absolutely dominating on the other side. You weren't going to get any help. It was in your hands. Destiny and fate in your hands. You take care of business here. You got a chance to get yourself not only in the playoffs, but to make yourself a run, make yourself a team that's formidable. We saw the Colts in the same exact situation against the Jacksonville Jaguars falter. And later in the day, the San Francisco 49ers come out in a big way and execute tale of two different, literally two different tales for two different franchises halfway across the country on the same day. One plays out horribly. One plays out absolutely incredibly. And in all honesty, when that game ended, I remember looking at my brother and being like, we could have been the Colts. Like today could have been what happened to the Colts. I don't think people truly appreciate like what this team has gone through this year because that week 18 win for me just made the 2021 season the roller coaster ride of it completely worth it because now anything was possible. Yeah, people actually valued that game over the the Saints game in 2019. Um, there was a big vote about it, and I know a lot of people were saying it was one of the you know the greatest games of the 40 years history. Um, I remember that game. You know, it was a very good game, so that's a good choice. Um, I like that one as well, uh, and I, there was a lot hanging on it. But the 49ers have been playing playoff football for a long time before that. Uh, it's just I think this is just one of those things where the Niners had to play a lot of pivotal games. They won a lot of pivotal games. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's a big one for sure. And the 49ers got it done with Colton McKivitz playing tackle, with Dark West and Art playing nickel corner, and with Dante Johnson playing safety. So, Very, very true, Ant. Uh, very, very true. Did you ever get your Popeyes, said David? Popeyes? I, have, I haven't eaten Popeyes in I a long time. I haven't had Popeyes. I don't know. I'm forgetting what that was from, David. You'll have to remind me. I know. Maybe you, it was you, from Megan. You guys were, yeah, Megan, you and Megan were talking about Popeye's it's once. because the, the line, line is so long. Stupidly long. Yeah. Yeah, I think. I, I don't know. I've, I've been I've been enjoying the Raising Cane's is what I've been enjoying. I, have you been having that? I've had it a couple times, yeah. Good? Worth yeah, it? it's good, yeah. Right, I'll have to try it. I'm not the Yeah, try Raising it. Cane's is good. It's It's got a nice sauce. It's different than Chick-fil-A, but it's pretty good. Okay, well, look at that. I'm, yeah. all, I'm all good with that, my guy. I'm all, I'm all excited for that. Are you kidding me? Uh, are you absolutely kidding me? I, I saw this here from, there was another good question here uh, from Bomber T. Hey, Ant and Alex, are you guys worried that Kyle will use Trey like his dad did with RG3? Um, no, not not really. Um, the big thing and the big reason is, is that uh, number one, this this team is built differently. Um, you have a lot of, you have a plethora of running backs. You have a lot of different things that you can do. Um, but number two, that is not Trey's strength. Trey's strength is not being an open field runner. He has... Um, he has speed, but he's not the elusive guy. He's not the shifty guy. He's more of a power runner. So what I see him being utilized in is short down and distance situations, read options, 
and things of that nature uh, and in occasions. I think you have a better chance of seeing more RPOs, um, run pass options, than you have of, of it being read options situations with Trey Lance and more of the QB power stuff that we saw with the Niners. I think when it comes down to it, part of the reason that, that Mike Shanahan and Kyle Shanahan used RG3 the manner that they did was out of necessity. Um, he didn't have a Jimmy Garoppolo to sit behind. He was a rookie True. quarterback that had to start right away. The, 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 the Washington team, I'll just call them that for now, invested in all, him and Cousins in the same, same year. So they were having some quarterback issues. That is the one benefit that Kyle Shanahan had this time around. He was able to draft that guy with that elite ability, but still be able to play him behind a veteran so he could develop. And I think that is actually where Kyle Shanahan decided that it's best for a rookie quarterback to sit and develop was because of the usage of RG3. RG3 in 2012 was absolutely spectacular, and he took the league by storm. It was fun to watch. Great. But when it came down to it, he ended up getting injured because what was asked of him to do in the NFL. The things that you do in college with the running and all that, you can't multiply, or I mean, you can't um, do that again, right? It's not comparable in the NFL. NFL is the top 1% of the college football players. They're bigger, they're physical, they're faster. Um, so everything, it, it works out that way. But I think it was just a necessity thing where they had to go that route to be able to compete with RG3, a rookie quarterback. They just maximize his skills, and they're not going to do the same thing with Trey Lance because they were able to sit him and develop him. Uh, so Trey's going to be used at more of a pocket passer with the occasional run. You will see a lot of read option looks from him because read option looks will hold a defender on the edge. That defensive end has to hold. If he runs down the line of scrimmage with the running back, Trey will be able to pull. So there's going to be situations like that. I could also see the advancement of RPO coming back uh, for San Francisco. Get some movement with the linebackers, uh, looking at Trey, looking at the running back, and then eventually him being able to find open receivers. So I think it will be different in the way that you see Kyle Shanahan approach RG3 compared to how he's going to approach Trey Lance. I think the skill sets are also different between the two guys and what they what they do very, very well. Um, I, I, Trey's, Trey's ceiling is higher than most a lot of quarterbacks who have come out. And the Niners made the move that they made for Trey Lance last season uh, because partially because of the quarterback position this upcoming season, this draft, and also the need uh, to have someone behind Jimmy Garoppolo. Look, Trey Lance came in, in in three games for the San Francisco 49ers in which Jimmy wasn't able to finish or did not play in said games. So the, the trade up and the pick worked out exactly the way San Francisco hoped it would, which is Jimmy is available and is able to win you football games when he's there. And in the cases that he's not, and that's likely, um, you want someone that you can trust and that has you know elite traits and that can do some different things and keep your team in football games and not cost you football games, which is what we saw out of Nick Mullins and CJ Beth of the previous years, because they didn't necessarily have elite traits. They were guys who were smart. They understood the system, but they couldn't elevate the team around them. They couldn't elevate with said team. Um, they were a hindrance to said team. Trey is not a hindrance to said team. Yeah, no, Trey is definitely not. You know, I, I think Trey is going to be a, a good football player. Um, and, you know, you've seen Marvin Rose talking about he should watch some Steve Young. And I remember, I, I think Mar Marvin's uh, will remember it as well. Steve Young struggles initially when he came to San Francisco to, you know, be able to become a pocket quarterback. Um, that was something that he struggled with, and it took him a long time. And that was, I mean, there's a famous quote where Bill Walsh says, Steve is a frustrating guy. And the reason he said that is because Steve struggled throwing the football and being able to operate in the pocket and then was still able to win the game with a tremendous run with using his athleticism. Like, that's cool. Um, I think that Trey Lance is a little bit farther along than Steve Young as far as from being a, a guy that wants to throw because – when Trey Lance was moving outside the pocket for the 49ers, he was looking downfield to throw the ball. He wasn't looking to run. He's a throw first, run second guy. There's a lot of guys who are a run first, 
you know, throw a second guy. So I think that's a little bit of a difference. But of course, if he could watch film of Steve Young and how he operated in Kyle, I mean, Mike Shanahan's system in 1994, I think that'd be a huge benefit because one of the focuses of that uh, West Coast offense was the feet. You know, the way that they did it, it was it was three steps in a hitch. It was five steps in a hitch. It was seven steps. All the different the com- drops. The complexity of the footwork. Right. With that everything required. was in, in line. And I think if he could see that and see that everything needs to stay in the framework, if he could do that, that'd be great. I mean, that's just, that's huge to learn from a, a Hall of Famer like that. And I think he could definitely learn from Steve Young. And I, hopefully Steve Young is willing to put some wisdom on him. That'd be nice. Uh, it would be absolutely glorious look the poll completed at who will fill the arden key who will fill the arden key role 60 percent of the cutback crew think it's going to be come oh kamoko Ture. i almost just absolutely butchered that my apologies kamoko um and i know someone earlier and i I forget who it is so apologies to chat and whoever asked said question um they had said since the niners have signed the arden key group the 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 arden key slash d ford replacement and kamoko Ture, who who is the wide receiver they're now going to be getting at 61. So they are just coming out and stating it with the fact that wide receiver is happening at 61. Um, I'm not sure who it would be. Do you foresee the Niners after making this move? Is it now more likely the Niners could trade up 15 spots or so and try and go get themselves a, a, a top end wide receiver or potentially even another position? What they're doing is allowing themselves the flexibility to do whatever they want. I like it. When you don't have needs, you're able to do whatever you want. You can take liberties with that draft capital. Potentially 20 picks over the next two years. Nine this season, 11 next season. That's a lot of draft capital. Not to mention, if D'Amico Ryans leaves, that's two more third-round compensatory picks. If uh, Rand Carthon leaves, that's two more third-round picks, compensatory picks. The 49ers have a lot of guys within their organization who are very wanted by other teams which means more potential for players when players and coaches or front office people when they leave to help the team so i think that they can be aggressive i know they were aggressive last year with trey lance um john lynch is aggressive in every single draft he might trade back one spot but then eventually he's coming back up with that capital he did it with solomon thomas and reuben foster not exactly the best move but then he did it with kinlaw and and brian Ayuk as well where he took two first round picks i wouldn't be shocked to see them move up I'm not so sure it's a wide receiver. Like, I'm not 100%. It could be a tackle that they may be targeting, or it could be, uh, you know, a any position. I mean, they could also just shock everyone, and I'm going to throw this out there. If one of these running backs, like Brees Hall, slides into the 40s, what would stop the 49ers from being like, you know what? Brees Hall could be a bell, bell cow back. Shanahan's, Mike Shanahan took Clinton Portis in the first round. Brees Hall in round two, here we go. Look, I was actually just going to yeah. make this transition over because the Niners did have a pre-draft meeting with Brian Robinson Jr. from Alabama. So they are meeting with running backs who are guys who are top-end running backs in this draft, and they're top five guys in this draft. So this is not out of the realm of possibility. Anything is possible. They could come up and trade for a Kyler Gordon out of Washington to draft high. They could be trading up for a Christian Watson. They could be trading up still and going after edge rusher. They could be going after Arnold Epichetti if Boy Moffey were to slip. If something like that were to happen, they could still be targeting one of those guys. Coming up and getting a David Ajabu is possible. Um, but a running back is also there. Um, and JLE last night in 49ers Aftermath, if you all missed that, channel members, you got to become channel members here on YouTube or you got to support us over on Patreon. Either way, you get access to our War Room Aftermaths in which after War Room and we go over what just happened. We talk with the TCC about picks they liked, didn't like, and things of that nature. We had Jay Hill and the Horst on last night for that. Yeah. Um, but JLE said to me, because Horst asked me, hey, who is your favorite running back? 
who's your favorite running back uh, or favorite just guy overall in general that you've watched on this draft process? And I said Kenneth Walker out of Michigan State. I said it's the only guy that I've watched on film in the last handful of years that has given me Debo vibes. Not Debo Samuel. It doesn't play like Debo Samuel, but I get Debo vibes with how he runs the physicality, the way he gets downhill, how he goes through people. This is not a guy who shies away from contact, and I love that in running backs, but he's going ridiculously high in drafts. He's going early second. If he were to slide into the 40s, if Brees Hall gets picked stupidly early and there's not a run on running backs, maybe this is a guy that they look at and target. They like the things that he can do there. I think everything is on the table. Someone just said, too, a BPA feels like the, that's the way that they're going to go. Best player available feels like that's what the Niners are going to do, and you're not wrong. And if they think the best player available drops to a point where they feel, hey, this, it, this is a steal here at this spot, they could pounce. Yeah, as far as 61 goes, who is the receiver that you think at 61 could potentially be there that the 49ers would go? I know we heard last night that you know when we talked to Jordan and Vish, they did not think that wide receiver was a option at 61. Until you threw out Alec Pierce, then Vish was like, wait, 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 wait. A guy that can consistently win at the catch point at the X receiver spot would be huge for the 49ers. Is that your guy you think is Alex Pierce, or is there somebody else as well? Listen, I think you could even trade back a little bit and still go get an Alec Pierce. I still think that that is possible, and it's available there at 61. I know there's a lot of people who like Sky more. I don't see that option there at 61 just because he doesn't add anything necessarily new to your wide receiver room. Um, it's hard It's hard to say because I, I feel like I feel like you need to add something. You need to add something that you don't already have in your wide receiver room. Um, and right now, what you don't have is the 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 height and the speed guy. So that would leave you with you know your Christian Watsons of the world. It would leave you with your um, not. I was thinking John Mechie, but I'm thinking Alec Pierce. Alec Pierce's of the world, and that would leave you with a guy like Traylon Burks, who a lot of people think could go early in the first. But there is a possibility and a chance because he did come into pre workout stuff at the combine and out of shape. I'm hearing rumblings and rumors. That teams are not very happy with the answer he say he had to give as for why he was out of shape and why he ran a four five because he's claiming that's why he ran the four five is he wasn't in draft combine shape that could slide him down boards and may put him in an area where the Niners could target and people would absolutely love that because everyone throws out the Debo comparison with Traylon Burks even though I don't see that there um, you're looking for a tall speedier wide receiver who can do some different things. Um, the problem is, is most of those tall, speedier guys are going earlier in the draft or they're guys who don't have as much polish in other places and are going later. So Alec Pierce is a guy that's kind of in that area. I think you could trade back and get a guy like that. Um, I don't think you have to take a guy like that at 61. He might be able to go closer to 70 in order to make that pick, but that's nine spots that we're talking about there. How much value are you really going to get? It, that feels like the logical option there. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to me that he would be available at 61 first. I mean, as a guy that's, you know, six foot three. Running you know, a four three. Yeah, over 200 pounds and can run a four three. I mean, it seems like with the longest wingspan and, and biggest catch radius of any wide receiver in this entire draft, uh, that's a, John Chapman did the breakdown of height, vertical, all that. He has a 40 inch, 43 inch vertical leap. Dude's a tremendous athlete. So I think that I wouldn't. I wouldn't be I wouldn't fault the 49ers for taking him at 61 because my belief is they do need that guy. Um that is the tall, fast receiver that can take the top off the defense and open things up for Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle underneath. You already added Ray Ray McLeod who can make people miss in space. They can add the things on special teams. So I get that for sure. You know, Jay Ellie brought up John Mechie as well. We know that I'm a John Mechie guy. I think that John Mechie has potential, especially in Kyle Shanahan's system, to be able to do things. He catches well after the run. He doesn't slow down when the ball hits his hands. He doesn't have to lose accelerations when he's in his routes. So he doesn't have to slow down and then accelerate afterwards. The change of direction is there. 
Uh, he's a guy that I really like. I know there's the injury concerns. Uh, I don't have those same concerns for him because I've seen him come back from an injury and then play really well. So I'm I'm on board with that. So two of those those two guys are definitely available there. And then I think as you get to 93, that is when you start talking about Khalil Shakir and some of these other guys, Dude, uh, Romeo Dabbs as well. I've watched some more Khalil Shakir film, yeah. by the way, and I was already very, very high on Khalil Shakir. The more I watch the Khalil Shakir, the more I feel like I mean, this is exactly the type of guy that Kyle Shanahan is looking to target. Yeah, and you know I've been I've been going back and and watching more guys and um really really enjoying some of the players that we've been watching. And one of the other guys that um, has hopped out, I was, I was trying, going blank on who, oh, Velis Jones. I watched even more on Velis Jones, and I really like him. So uh, that's somebody that I'm definitely interested in. Uh, very true. Velis Jones, very, very talented prospect. Marvin Rose just said one of the mock drafts he saw had a Trey McBride from Colorado State, a tight end for the 49ers. Um, it was something that Jordan Elliott almost did on War Room last night. He almost went with Trey McBride there oh, he early wanted in that to. draft. He wanted to. Yeah, he got he, talked down off of it. Yeah, but he, he, wanted to. He, he wanted to. Now, the questions for that were, were real simple. Number one, you were pitching a different player. Vish was saying 49ers wouldn't value a tight end that. And I'm saying, I have the 49ers moved away from more traditional two tight end, two tight end sets because it, it appears that they want three tight end, or three wide receivers out there because Jawan Jennings is one of the best, best blockers. And having a six foot three, 220 pound wide receiver blocking a 180-pound nickelback sounds a lot better than a tight end like Trey McBride trying to block an outside linebacker who is very quick and very big. Uh, so you want to put them in nickel situations more, opens the field up for Trey Lance. That's kind of the argument I was going with. And look, I thought it was a solid argument. I, I thought there were better options. Um, Jelly saying George Pickens, David Bell, Jalen Tolbert, other options. Jalen Tolbert is, is definitely an option as well. He 100% could be a He's 100%. He is 100% a guy the Niners could be targeting, could be looking at. Um, I just, I, I question where he's going and and what his, uh, not what his elite skill sets are yet, right? because he does have elite skill sets. That speed is is top notch for that gentleman. Um, I, I just, I wonder if that's a, a guy the Niners are seriously considering because I think there are going to be teams who want to take a flyer on him maybe a little earlier than I would like him to go. I, I think there's players that people are going to take, you know, that are that are going to be kind of like uh the apple of some of these teams' eyes, right? Um, and each team is looking to build their wide receiver room differently and have different needs. Uh, that's one of the things that comes up. The 49ers are building their wide receiver room in a very specific way, and that's why they're looking at specific players that fit that mold. True. Um, the one thing that Kyle Shanahan really values is being able to catch the ball without losing steam and also being able to create once you do catch the ball. Uh, if you can do that, you're probably on his radar. Very accurate. You are probably definitely uh, on the radar there, Anta. That, was, that would be something that... Uh, would be a, a big plus. It would definitely be a big plus there. I'm seeing a lot of the cutback crew right now. We've dip, dove into Kyle Shanahan talk somehow, some way. Uh, you know, Power Fitness is is giving people the ringer on why he wants Kyle gone. People are defending Kyle, and that some people are getting upset with Kyle, and some people want to take Jimmy and blame Jimmy for said Kyle. Look, uh, you can feel whatever way you want about it, TCC. I understand the frustration. Um, you know, Power Fitness had brought up and mentioned. Uh, uh, he's only had two winning seasons in the six that he's been here. Um, the thing that people forget also a lot with Kyle Shanahan and, and where this team started when him and John Lynch got here is this was a very uh, talent-depleted roster that required a lot of overhaul, a lot of changes. There was no franchise quarterback. Uh, you didn't have a, a solid, solidified offensive line. You didn't have a lot of great wide receiving options. You didn't really have uh, a lot of anything anywhere offensively, and there was some possibilities and potential defensively, but... None of it was put together. A lot of guys had retired and left. There, there wasn't a lot of, you know, holdover from the 2012 Super Bowl run that you that you went on. There just those pieces didn't exist anymore. 
um, you basically had to build a roster from the ground up. And when you're building a roster from the ground up, one of two things happens. You take some chances, you take some risks, and they pay off. Or you take some chances, you take some risks, and they don't pay off. And they actually bite you in the, in the butt. And you end up setting yourself back in your rebuild process, potentially three, four years. The Niners didn't do that. Um, you came in, you took some chances, took some risks, you missed on some guys. But they didn't swing They didn't swing for the fence at positions where you need to hit. They slowly built, they found guys who could do things in the system to get things, get them through until they could find the guys and find the pieces that fit best in their system. They didn't swing uh, early on, on certain positions and wide receivers. They had an identity in mind in terms of how they wanted to build this team, going with the defensive line, right? Getting after the quarterback in, in a new age NFL in which quarterback play and extending plays was becoming more and more important. They were kind of ahead of the curve in that area and in that mold. And yes, they missed on some guys early. They hit late and they hit more on late guys than they missed on early guys. And they put themselves in a position where in a couple of years, you're able to take one of the worst teams in the NFL and turn them into a team that was contending in, in a Super Bowl. 2017, no viable starting quarterback. Nope. 2018, your viable quarterback gets hurt. So those two seasons are an absolute wash. Of course, you're going to have a losing season because Nick Mullins and CJ Beth are not a starting quarterback quality what? players. What? 2019, you have a viable starting quarterback and you make it all the way to the Super Bowl. Uh, 2020, you have the injuries. Once again, your viable quarterback is hurt. 2021, you realize that viable quarterback can't stay healthy and you need to go out and get another guy that can potentially be durable and be able to play. To me, it's a, it's it's natural. You can't win in the NFL without a viable starting quarterback. And Mullins and Beathard were not those guys. Hoyer was not that guy, but we know why they brought in Hoyer. They brought in Hoyer because they were waiting for Cousins to be able to be a free agent. During that season, the, the opportunity presented itself to go after Jimmy Garoppolo. They brought him in. They liked what they saw at the end of that season. He won them five straight games. They thought they had found their, their quarterback. They did no longer have to pay Kirk Cousins a fully guaranteed contract. They could pay Jimmy Garoppolo $48 million of guaranteed money. It was a financially uh, and prudent you know, move that they needed to make. So to me, that's just how I see it. I, I see it as he took over a really bad organization. There were some struggles there. He didn't have a franchise quarterback. He's finally getting his franchise quarterback. So he's going to have some, some, you know, if he doesn't win over the next few years, everything, Trey, yeah. Yeah, everything that's being said will be fine. But right now, I think they have to wait until he has his guy, his system. Uh, let's see what happens. Very true. Uh, very true indeed. Michael Duran here. And I hate the faithful moniker. I am faithful because after Steve Young retired, half the fan base left to go root for a winner. Uh, be happy your team is competing and not ace every year is what he's saying. Yeah, I mean, I, people did leave and go go with Joe Montana. People True. left, and then you know, people came. A lot of people came back when Steve Young won the Super Bowl. Um, but part of the reason they came back is because Joe retired too. True. Uh, when that happened, a lot of 49er fans came back. But uh, that was an interesting time. It was an interesting time, and and Michael and the letting everybody know what really grinds his gears. So what's yeah. really grinding his gears is people claiming to be faithful and then not being faithful. I, I feel you there. I feel you there. But look. People are people are passionate about this football team. That's why fans are fans, and they're fanatics, right? They, they, yeah. They have a dying, burning passion for this team, um, and they they are used to a certain level at this point. Uh, what the 49ers have have done since Bill Walsh took over, and and you know, the Bartlow was doing the thing with the team, doing his thing with the team, and how it evolved from from there, and and the amount of championships he won in such a short amount of time. Talking about organizations that have been running and in the league longer than San Francisco has been around that haven't been relevant in Super Bowl conversations um, since the early portions of the league's foundation. I mean, talk about a team like the, the Minnesota Vikings, and who have not won a Super Bowl. They have not won one yeah. and haven't been 
in a legitimate Super Bowl position in terms of actually being in the Super Bowl. In the very early on of the Minnesota Vikings reign in the in the league, being a part of the league, they were one of the one of the founding teams, I guess. They were originally part of this part of the NFL. They were in like three or four Super Bowls in the first seven years of the league being around. Have not been that relevant since. Well, 1998, Randy Moss, they, they they should have won the Super Bowl. They should have won the Super Bowl. Gary Anderson misses the field goal. That's Correct. that. You also had the Brett Favre teams that should have, or Brett Favre team, really, that, that should have won. won. Uh, and he throws the, the the bad pass during Bounty Gate. And the play, and the play, the playoff year as well, where they, they had the, they had the, I think it was the Seattle Seahawks uh, in Seattle, had them, were in the, in the red zone with a chance to kick a game-winning field goal and miss wide left. Yeah, it happens. I mean, yeah, that's the thing, right? There are teams that don't even have that opportunity. Correct. The 49ers have had seven opportunities to win Super Bowls, five in which they've cashed in. True. Uh, 49er fans definitely have had a lot to root for over the years, especially and, in the last 20, 30 years. Yeah. And there's been a lot of stressful times for the Niners as well. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the, the people that, you know, watch and listen to us consistently live through the seventies where the 49ers struggled, you know, with, to, with the Dallas Cowboys. And that's why the 1981 49ers getting over the hump and beating the Cowboys was so special. So sometimes those lulls actually make the, the big times better. Um, and that's why you've seen, I, I don't remember who it was in the chat that said, when the 49ers win six, he's going to cry like a baby. Um, it's Bobo. Yeah, Bobo. Uh, I, I think that a lot of people will. That emotion that comes, uh, it, it's real. you know. And I think that we're, we're definitely all going to be feeling that when the 49ers finally get over the hump. We're hoping that they've positioned themselves to do that. You've got Trey Lance on a rookie pay scale uh, for the next four years. Capitalize, use that money, go win a Super Bowl. We're hoping that's what happens. That's what we would like to see. Uh, David Campbell asked if the safety room does not change from now, would you feel good going into the season? I feel good because I have a defensive line like we do. Fair. Um, I think I would feel a whole lot better if they brought in Jaquiski Tart. So if, I, if I'm not going to sit here and tell you that we have a bona fide starter next to Jimmy Ward. I think coming into last season, I would have felt more comfortable with Tarverius more than I am now because he's coming off an Achilles. If he wasn't coming off an Achilles, I'd feel more comfortable with him and his development being with the Niners for four seasons. So I, I think that I have worries about Hufanga and coverage. I have worries about Tarverius Moore being healthy enough to you know play with this Achilles and be at full strength and speed. Um, but I also know the way the 49ers disguise things, that they're going to be able to use that defensive line to bring it. They have really good edge corners now. Um, I feel the biggest weakness is still nickel. Uh, it definitely feels like it definitely feels like nickel. I would like them to address address the safety room, um, but uh, like you, I, I feel the the best way to address it at this point in time with the things that we've seen out of draft potential and prospects. Right, we've said this. Right, the Niners went and made the move for Kamiko Torre. They signed this guy in maybe because they don't want to necessarily draft an edge rusher. They don't feel they can get the production that they know they can get out of a guy like Torre. Uh, same thing from the safety room. Right, you already know what you can get out of Whiskey Tart. This seems like the best option right now for San Francisco than potentially drafting someone that you don't necessarily know what you're going to get. Yeah, I've been saying for a little while right now that if you're drafting an edge rusher, and I told John Chapman this, if you're drafting an edge rusher, you need to draft him early. Uh, because if you don't draft him early, they're I don't think they this make roster. this roster. Especially after this move. They're right, not so they roster. do the mock drafts internally, and they're seeing that these Arnold Ebiketti and these other edge rushers aren't going to be there at 61 that they want the top flight guys that would make their roster. And they're saying, okay, it's better for us to bring in Ture and let him come in and compete. There's no financial risk there. Really. Um, it's, it's, it's a high, you know, it's a low risk, high reward situation. And then you move accordingly throughout the draft, because once you get to like pick one Oh five, those edge rushers more than likely aren't making your roster. 
Potentially, D'Angelo Malone is the last one I can see that can probably make the roster um, just with how much depth the 49ers have in the edge rushing position. So I think that's what you're looking at. And I think they're reading the tea leaves and saying, you know what? None of these big-time edge rushers are going to be there at 61. We're going to need to go another position. So let's go ahead and get Teray in here and see what he can do because he's going to be a better option than the guys that are going to be available. Uh, you're, you're not wrong there, man. It, it does feel like that's what the Niners are doing, and we're going to see what that means. Uh, Megan with the like, share, sub, join the cutback crew. She's not wrong. We're trying to push for 3K by draft day. We're getting really, really, really ridiculously close. So if you haven't already, if you're watching this right now, you've been coming to the streams, you've been coming to War Rooms, you're kind of liking what you see, but maybe you're not quite sure yet. It's A-OK. -okay. Hit that subscribe button. It's free. If you end up disliking everything that we do, you can always unsubscribe later if you'd, if you'd like. Um, or you can just hit that like button right now, pump it out to the rest of the faithful, uh, getting more people into the chat and more people for the Q&As, more questions. That's what we're all about here. Yeah, it's been a fun conversation so far. I'm really enjoying this episode and enjoying the way that you know people are approaching the 49ers offseason. And I think there are still questions that need to be answered. We're not going to be able to get all those answers right now, but we're getting closer to getting some of those answers with the draft. And uh, that's why we've been putting out a lot of draft content. It's been fun. Very true. Marvin just said maybe they will get some extra draft picks when they trade Jimmy and they can use that to get a shutdown corner. Possibly they yeah. can trade up. Yeah, potentially. But you also, I mean, here's the thing. In terms of shutdown corner, you just... You just paid Traverius Ward a lot of money. I, I think they think this could be their shutdown corner option. Yeah, it could be. I, I think the reason is that there's still potential to sign another corner. You just If they're signing a outside corner, then they're going to move Emmanuel Mosley into the nickel, and he's going to be your guy there. Yes, if they're signing a nickel corner, then you know Emmanuel Mosley is the guy on the outside. But right now, Emmanuel Mosley and Traverius Ward are your best corners. That's your day one starters on the outside. So they are in need of a nickel corner. Right now, I would say Darquez Denard's the leader in the clubhouse to start there. Fair. Um, as a first-round talent, I think he's the, he's the guy that's there. But uh, they definitely need to address that. And if they could get a shutdown corner, I, I don't know who that would be in this draft. Like, I don't know where that guy is going to sit, where you can go from 61 to get him. I think most of those guys are going to be in the first round. I don't think you have the capital to go up and get one of those guys. Um, so shutdown corner in the draft might be more difficult. Stephon Gilmore in free agency, once you moved off Jimmy Garoppolo, more realistic if the 49ers were willing to go ahead and pay another corner big-time money. It's true. And so Marvin Rose is saying, so you're telling me we get two shut-down corners. There you go. I like it, Marvin. I like I that. I like it. Michael Durant said, uh, Michael Clemens from Texas A&M is the only late edge rusher I think would make the roster. He's a dog, Ant. He likes the dog. I do ant. like Michael Clemens. I mean, there's there's a, a motor there. He gets after it. Um, He's one of those guys that could come and compete. Uh, he would be a base 4-3 defensive end, so he's one of those guys that you could play all three downs. The, the the thing with him is he doesn't have an elite trait as far as, you know, special first step, uh, you know, special bend, able to get around the corner and get to the quarterback. He's just really good. Um, so late in, late in the draft, I understand that. But potentially, he would run the risk of not making the roster. And if he doesn't make the roster, he's going to be playing for somebody else because I don't think you can even get, to him, get him to your practice squad. Uh, so I don't know if they would be willing to go late with him. I don't know either. $5 super chat there from 49ers first takes. Aaron, how you doing, man? What's going on, fellas? Hope all is good. Keep bringing the filthy, he says. Yeah, thanks, Aaron. We really, yeah, Aaron and Bashar, um, Aaron from 49ers first takes, Bashar from 49ers minded. We had an absolutely great conversation with them, you know, in the 49ers war room episode two. It was, it was fantastic. So if you haven't checked out 49ers first takes or 49ers minded, head over there and check it out. Um, two really good people that love talking 49ers. They always have good guests. So uh, give them a, a check out, maybe even like and subscribe. So just do all that good stuff. Do all of that good stuff, yeah. TCC. Give them some love, give them some support. And if you missed that 49ers War Room episode, when we get done here, 
head on over and check that one out. And also, Ant, they can go check out an incredible, an incredible worm that we just did with Vish and Jordan Elliott yeah. as well. So there's also that. Let's see, we had a couple other really good questions here. I'm just trying to find where they're at. Ah, David Hasselhoff. Uh, the, the Hoff ant in, in chat, uh, Knight Rider doing his thing. Do we have a chance at moving up in the draft? I, I think so. I think there's a potential to do it. When you have, you know, 11 picks that you could potentially use, um, you can always move up. You just have to kind of figure out what's the cost and effect. You know, how much is it going to cost to move up? And then which player are you going to get? And how is it going to affect you eventually? So I'm, I'm waiting to kind of see what they do. But yeah, they could definitely do that. Uh, Megan, I don't know. We'll we'll take a look and check it out. We'll see what happens, what's going on. Uh, the shutdown corner idea is a myth, said Tommy Huxley. Uh, Android is saying, we seem to be relying on our depth and rookie players having developed and being able to take over for guys we lost. Um, look, it, it seems like depth and developing pieces is something Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch in this front office have been focused on, right? Putting guys in the hands of, our, of your coaching staff letting your coaching staff mold and develop these guys and building your roster through development rather than necessarily buying the players you need to buy that, that are already developed, that you've already proven something in the league. Um, you know, at some point, maybe both of those ideas will mesh and mold. I think you and I both believe that's coming here sooner rather than later. It just doesn't feel like it's coming right now. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of things that are going to, and I seen kick clientele say, can we still sign Jason Verrett? Absolutely. Jason Verrett can still sign uh, and come back to the 49ers. I think that he is still a potential, you know, player that 49ers are targeting. I'm sure they've been in constant contact. I don't know where he's at with his rehab, um, but I think he would be a dynamite fit. If if you're looking at a nickel corner, I know a lot of people said sign Jason Verrett, put him on the outside, throw Emmanuel Mosley in. Um, but I think Verrett actually in the nickel would be dynamite. I think he's one of the one of the better players in the league, and he has a versatility to play inside and out, quick change of direction. The only problem with him is the injuries. Uh, but financially, if you could build into it where it's not a risk for you, uh, you go ahead and do that because potentially he's a pro bowler slash all pro player when he's healthy. Correct. Um, you just don't want to have to necessarily pay more than than what you'd like to pay. Um, you don't want to have to overpay this man or, or pay more than about. Uh, ideally, the Niners would like to keep that number right now under the top 51 contracts. There's no way Jason Verrett wants it to be under the top 51 contract. So you have a negotiation situation. Also, Verrett is still probably doing some rehab stuff and going through uh, the process there of making sure that he can pass a physical and be 100% healthy and demonstrate he can be the guy that people who want to sign him think he can be. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I I like Jason. We all know this. We all know I, I coached against Jason when he was when he was younger. Sure. Um, and so I've seen him from a very young age, and uh, he he's a really, really good football, very talented, and I would love to see him back with the 49ers. I think he wants to be back. He was a team captain last year. I think the 49ers would like him in the locker room, but it always has to make sense. And so financially, it has to make sense for Jason. It has to make sense for the 49ers because at some point, right, this guy's got to uh, just get tired of coming back from these ACL injuries. But I don't think this is the time yet. I'm hoping that he's able to come back and finish his career on a positive note. I would like that as well. It's got a bit, it has to be rough on the guy. Um, you, you feel for Jason Verrett. He's done everything he's needed to do to show he can be a top-level type guy in this league. He can be a, a high performer, a pro bowl, potentially even all pro level cornerback in this league. Uh, just has not been able to to keep it healthy the entirety of a season. Hopefully, we're getting closer and closer to being able to see a more healthy Jason Verrett. And I'm hoping that he ends up back in San Francisco because I think he could add still a lot to this room. And I'm gonna feel a whole heck of a lot of this a whole heck of a lot better about the cornerback room, right? I feel pretty good about it right now. Definitely better than I did at this point last season. Can you imagine Jason Verrett being signed and Marcus Marcus Jones being drafted by the San Francisco 49ers? That room is baller. 
going into the regular season. Oh yeah, you've definitely insulated yourself, and what you're in that situation. I mean, you're you're only going to be able to keep six cornerbacks, right? So you got Ward, you've got Verrett, you've got Mosley. You would have um, Diamondor Lenore, Ombre Thomas. Thomas. And then whoever's left. So it'd either okay. be Denard or it'd be Dante Johnson. Or if in the, in the case that you drafted Marcus Jones, Marcus Jones might be the last guy in the room that makes it. I think Marcus Jones would be better than some of the guys that, that we just mentioned ahead of him. So, Agreed. Uh, yeah, that would that would be different. That'd be crazy. And that, that would potentially add the sort of depth that you have in the defensive line. You would start to get that in the cornerback room. So I think that would be exciting. Uh, Michael Durant asked, have you guys studied any tape on Braxton Jones tackle out of Southern Utah? I have not. So thank you, Michael Duran, for putting me on to uh, Braxton Jones. I'll have to give him a look. Especially since we haven't done our tackle episode yet. Yeah. So that's coming That's coming down the pipe. So, yeah, Michael, we're both going to be taking a look there because that was not a tackle prospect that I looked at on my initial list. So Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely take a look at him. I haven't, I haven't done that yet. So Into the film room, I will go after this. <laughs> Into the film room, I will go. Uh, good to see you, Marvin. Have a nice yeah. evening, guys. God Great, bless Marvin. you all. I mean, we really, we really do appreciate that. We appreciate all the cutback crew coming out tonight and asking, asking the questions. And we're still going to take some more. So we're going to take a few more questions. So go ahead and start leaving those right now in chat as we start to wrap up and get closer to the end of this episode. Uh, we want to hear from you. We want to be able to answer the questions that the cutback crew has. And we want to be able to answer if we truly believe that Mike McGlinchey is going to be ready just because he posted some videos online of him working out. Uh, I feel very good about where McGlinchey is. I feel very good about what's going on with this team right now. I feel very good about the direction of this team. Very surprised that they signed Kamiko Ture. I was completely convinced up until the signing that the Niners were going edge rusher at 61. I don't know what to think anymore. It feels like the Niners can do anything. And you know what that means, Ant? Incredible, incredible things for the 49ers because that makes them extremely dangerous. They can do anything that their hearts desire. And if they find a guy that their heart desires, and he starts getting closer and closer to 61, they could pounce at any moment. I am dangerous. Uh, I, I couldn't resist. I had to go full top gun. Uh, but Michael Duran says he is lean, mean, and fits his own scheme. Um, <laughs> rhyming aside, that was fantastic, by the way, Michael Duran. But here's the that. thing. Here's the thing. Even it, 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 because of the rhyming, I am 100% watching the film tonight. Yeah, I want to. And there was somebody that Jay Ellie brought up last night, and I remember I was oh. not all the way on board with it. I was trying to remember who it was, but I actually watched film yesterday, last night, and now I can't remember who it was. Gosh, um, and I was actually coming around to Jay Ellie's thought process on this, so I'm going to have to remember who that was. Maybe Jay Ellie can remember because he remembers everything. It's crazy. True. Um, but, yeah, you know what? If, if I wish that the, the, the 49ers could just get, like, one of these really good players in the draft that would wear 14. Um, that's really what I'm I'm hoping for. Wait, we don't want. I thought I thought Raven McLeod was wearing. We don't know if Raven McLeod's going to wear fourteen. It's not official yet. It's not official. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, I would love it if he's if he's wearing fourteen. I'd feel really good about myself. But my goodness, I'm not sure. You know, my traveling fourteen jersey is just waiting. What do you mean your traveling fourteen jersey? You haven't ordered it yet. What are you talking about? You haven't ordered it yet. Yeah, true. There you go. Uh, uh, who was who was it here? Oh, Android user, is there any news about Kinlaw's rehab? So he did go on with Brad. It was about was it about a month ago? About it was either three weeks or a month ago, and talked with him there about how he's feeling in the rehab process. He talked about you know how he's feeling like he's in really good shape. He feels like he's been getting into the best shape of his life and all that good stuff. But there hasn't been a whole lot other than little stills and little videos of him at the gym doing stuff after he's got done with workouts. I imagine his his process is going extremely well. I imagine. It's going in, in a good, positive direction because I haven't heard anything negative. 
I've seen the same things we saw from Mike McGlinchey. Yeah. Um, he put out the same videos and he works out with Mike McGlinchey. They're workout partners. In fact, McGlinchey thanked him, you know, for being such a solid workout go. partner. There you go. I think these guys are getting better together and they're getting, you know, back to it. So I'm excited about Kinlaw. You know, I mean, I know this is a prove it year. We haven't seen anything yet. I mean, no. all we've seen is like these little glimmers of hope. Uh, so I think this is the season. If he can stay healthy, potentially him shifting to the nose tackle role, uh, he's going to add something different to this roster. He's got you know big shoes to fill because he's going to be trying to fill DJ Jones's role. But I mean, this I is why you draft the guy at 14th overall, so they can come in and, and handle this kind of business. Uh, so I'm I'm curious what we get out of him. He's not going to be asked to do too much. He's not going to be asked to play too many plays. He's going to be asked to go in there on first and second down and be a run stopper. Very true. Um, and Kelvin had asked here a little bit ago. As Kelvin Duncan said, "What about Lenore?" in the slot gentlemen could Lenore slide in the slot. Um, look, the, the problems with Lenore is the physicality stuff. Um, he seemed to fit better skill set wise early in the season on the outside struggled at times in practices on the interior in the slot in terms of understanding the scheme, being able to do the things necessary. Um, but this isn't a super physical guy. So he was getting bullied a little bit on the interior. You don't have those same questions with a guy like Marcus Jones, even though he's on the shorter side, I haven't seen physical as many physicality concerns with, with a guy like Jones, like I have in Lenore, um, I don't know if he's developed enough yet to be the bona fide starter in the slot coming into the season. Uh, the problem with Yamano Lenore was his development was kind of hindered a little bit because when he came in last year, he was tasked with playing outside corner. You had the injuries to Emmanuel Mosley, you know, some of the other injuries, they were slow to move Jason Verrett in because he was dealing with some things. So Lenore's development was on the outside. Uh, when it got to the last last week of training camp, they moved Yamano Lenore to the nickel, but he wasn't primarily taking snaps there, so his development was slowed. During the season, you saw him have to play the, the outside role. The problem was when he got put in the nickel later on in the season, he got absolutely burned because that deep fade route is a problem for K1 Williams and is a problem for Diamond Lenore because they lack that, you know, big time speed to be able to stay with them. And they're not able to press and jam these guys off. It's harder when they're in the nickel and they're playing in the slot the slot receivers off the ball and leaves room for these guys to be able to get a clean release. Uh, so I think he can develop, but I don't know what that development is going to be. And I have some concerns about him going against cup and Lockett. Uh, those are big time targets and guys that you know, could give him fits in the slot. I'm hoping he develops into that, and sure. maybe the 49ers know that he's going to or whatever, um, but I haven't seen it yet. So if I can't tangibly see it, I just don't know. It'd just be a projection, and I can't project that he's going to be that guy. No, I can't. Brandon just said I worry about the slot fade with someone like Lenore. Um, yep. You also worry about that with uh, the last guy we just had, K1 Williams, and he didn't have the top-end speed, and he got toasted by it a couple times. Yeah, you've seen MVS you know, burn him in the first Packers game last year. On mm -hmm. that route, he ended up getting hurt on the play. Uh, that is something that is a, a real bugaboo for the 49ers secondary. That's why getting someone that can play on top of that route, somebody that could, you know, get their hands on these guys, redirect them is important. So I think the 49ers are going to, would love to go with a veteran option, especially like a Jason Verrett, while they develop somebody that they draft, but they've got to be able to afford bringing these guys in. And right now, financially, they're having to play all kinds of games uh, because they still have Jimmy Garoppolo's $25 million on the books. And if they continue to have Jimmy Garoppolo's $25 million on the books, they're going to have to games. get even more creative, yeah. They're going to have to play, yeah. There you even, go. Even more creative football games, or not football games, but cap games. Uh, Android user, would Ant and Alex ever bring Marketing Pro on for Quest for the West? We never got Rams representation for them last season. I loved Quest for the West. It's real. I mean, listen, 
Maybe if if we get really desperate for Rams, uh, Rams I, personality, I, I have no problems with marketing pro coming on there. He's a Rams fan. Yeah, it would be good. I have no... also we had someone. We ended up actually legitimately having someone lined up. Like the guy agreed. He watched an episode of Quest for the West, and then decided he didn't want to do it. Um, he told me he goes, you know, I, everyone that you have on has setups and quality microphones, all that stuff. He's, I feel like I would drag the the quality of the product down he's on i i don't want to do that to you guys he's also let me see if i can get something worked out for next season so he's the first guy that's on the contact list for me uh but i mean sure i mean if pro marketing pro ever shows his face in here again for whatever reason he has it, I, I expected more bragging from marketing pro after a super bowl I, I, i'm i'm pretty sure i was the best rams representative we had last year fair yeah 49ers takeover and it happened right we took over um and i was that guy you so. took over the rams correspondence that's right. right it was it was a solid episode Evan did not see it coming at all. He definitely didn't guess before the show went live. Yeah. He definitely, definitely <laughs> didn't guess it right before the show there went you live. Go. Uh, 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 Olivia here said, possible C. Watson slip due to competition talent he played. Um, I, I don't think so. I don't think teams are going to look at Christian Watson's skill level, his talent, and the things that he has put on tape, what he put on the combine, what he did at the Shrine Bowl as well. Um, and just going to be like, yeah, nah, this is too much of a risk. He didn't play against top-level talent. He toasted top-level talent. If if it would have been a case where this guy came in, his measurables weren't as dynamic as they are. If he wasn't a sub four three guy, if he wasn't six foot four over two hundred pounds, then potentially you question the top end, you know, speed or talent. Uh, you did not see that. This guy has had all those skills on full display, and to me, he's actually picking up steam as we get closer to the draft. But I think he's actually got a, a better chance of going between you know pick thirty two. Uh, and pick 40 than he does, you know, falling to 61. Uh, better, much better chance indeed there, and much better chance uh, indeed. TCC, it was a lot of fun tonight. Great questions from all of you. Uh, I, I absolutely love the the energy the chat brought, Ant, the, the conversation, the off-the-wall questions, the, the randomness, and just the overall good vibes and good time. TCC killing it yet again on the live Q&A. Um, and look, we, we had a blast with this, but we got tons more content coming your way. You're not going to want to miss... The rest of this week, you're not going to want to miss a war room on Mondays and uh, this upcoming Monday. And we will be announcing and releasing that sometime later this week. So just stay tuned on the socials because as soon as it's finalized and confirmed, you guys will know. Yeah, I'm excited about what's coming forth. Uh, we still have, you know, a little over two weeks or yeah, oh, it is two weeks it's until two the weeks. draft. Yeah. Uh, the draft is almost here. The draft party is almost here. So if you're planning on coming to the draft, you know, party, let us know. It's fun to know who's coming. There's lots of the cutback crew that's going to be there. So I'm excited about that. That's coming up April 29th in Galt, California at, you know, uh, Back Alley Brew House. Uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Now you're not going to want to miss that 4 to, 4 to 8 p.m. Lots of great things going on. Uh, JLE just came through with a wide receiver, Wendell Robinson, question mark. Was that the player? There it is. Okay. That's what I had to say. JLE, Wendell Robinson. I watched him, and I'll be honest, I'm starting to go to the JLE dark side with this guy. I like this guy a little bit. His his moves in the open field, like this guy is makes people miss at an all-time level. So I hadn't watched him to the extent I watch now. I'm now coming around to Wondell Robinson. So Rondell Robinson is now on my radar. I got more film to watch, but what I saw so far, I was big time into it. So thanks, JLE, for kind of giving me a nudge in that direction. Well, there you go. JLE, uh, help it out there. Wondell Robinson is a very interesting prospect indeed. Uh, played in a very similar scheme at the University of Kentucky, and so less of a learning curve as well. We'll see what the impact that could have. We'll see if the Niners... 
decide to go wide receiver at pick 61? Did they decide to go a different direction or did they throw a swerve, folks? It's best available player. And for them, the best available player is someone they can trade up for in a couple of, couple of spots, maybe 10 spots, 15 spots, and go get someone, even if it's an edge rusher. We're going to find out. We're going to find out what happens. We're going to find out what the San Francisco 49ers do. But TCC, about that time. Yeah, it is. Let's chalk another one up. Catch you later, TCC. 49ers Cutback is available in multitude of ways. One of those is on YouTube, but that's not the only way. We're also available on several different audio platforms as well. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Pods, as well as iHeartRadio now also. Yeah, anywhere you want to listen to your 49ers Cutback, you can. So go ahead and click on one of the links that are available and go and check it out. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.